This episode was recorded via correspondence and may have some sound quality discrepancies. We hope you enjoy the content and look forward to bringing you more. Hello and welcome to our listeners to episode four of Brain to Bar, where we sit down with some of our industry bosses as they share their first-hand experiences in applying mindset and brain strategies to bring themselves to the bar, that is in life, health or business. My name is Sophia and I'll be your host. This week took a little bit of a different turn as we sat down with our guest, Selena Lazarus, the Managing Director and Co-Founder of First Crop Coffee. Given that we are in isolation and in quarantine here in Australia, we have noticed that this has had an impact on mental health as well as mental mechanics as being isolated is not necessarily a natural thing and therefore our bodies are starting to react, we can say, uh, not naturally based on our living styles. And this particular conversation was a great example of the human mind and body reacting weirdly in a weird situation. Um, If you've been following us on Instagram, you would have seen um, one of my latest posts talking about coping mechanisms and how we adapt to certain situations to make it easier for us to live. And this particular conversation, I made a conscious decision to keep going on the tangent it was because it was evident that both myself and my guest Selena needed some time to brain fart. And we decided to use this as a special edition outtakes episode of Brain to Bar as a little bit of a case study and insight into just how our brains are working during quarantine. And we hope that some of you out there might actually relate to it and make us feel a little bit less weird. But we decided to talk about some things that we don't usually talk about, but felt inclined to based on our isolation. So I hope you enjoyed this special outtakes episode of Brain to Bar with my special guest, Selena Lazarus. Rest assured, we will be releasing the official episode with Selena very soon. But for now, enjoy our chats that ranged from Tiger King to the supernatural and mysterious world of humans. Well, you never know, like, how people are just responding. Because, like, in my head, my life has not changed as much because I work from home anyway. I'm an introvert anyway. So I'm isolated a lot of the time. And so my routine hasn't really changed. The only thing is like I've lost my ability to, you know, work at a cafe or go to the gym. So they're literally the only two places I go. But I'm psychotic. <laughs> like I'm I'm well, grieving. So I am exactly I'm exactly like you work from home a lot my routine hasn't really changed i work in pjs and i'm introverted and everything but a lot of my customers i do visit at least one customer a day where i go out also we had like four trips planned between february and july and we were supposed to see our farmers and like we built a whole coffee washing station that we missed the opening ceremony for because we couldn't be there but the thing is like yeah I 
it's almost like even though I don't want to go out and I, I dread going out to social things, just not being able to do it anymore has affected me mentally. Even though I would choose not to, because I can't. Yes. Oh my goodness. I thought I was weirdo because look, I've been talking to a lot of people and they're all just like, yeah, but I feel like I'm just this outlier. That's a little bit weird. Cause I'm just like, I'm in isolation all the time, but I'm exactly the same. I get it. I get it. Mm-hmm. I, I would usually just decline. Um, I don't like social things. I don't like being around a lot of people. Like it freaks me out. Um, and I made, you know, it's funny start of the year I made a commitment to myself to try and be more social so like actually going to things and I did I started going to things and then this happened and I was like yes but then now I'm like I can't go to things I want to go to I things. made a decision to be I better was mentally at prepared <laughs> yes and now I can't be better at it and now I have to go back to it's Coping so super confusing. But yeah, I've been talking to a lot of my friends who've been like struggling working from home and stuff. So I've been helping them because I don't know why, but I've got a whole lot of people who think I'm an extrovert. Where did they get that from? Where did they get that yeah. idea? I was thinking about that too, because I'm just saying people are surprised when I tell them I am more introvert. And because like, you know, yeah. you do acting, you are very comfortable talking to people. I'm like, yes. Being comfortable talking to people doesn't mean you're an extrovert. It means I understand how to communicate with people. Yeah. Like, you know, when I can public speak, yeah, I'm doing something, but it doesn't mean I'm going to go out and, you know, drink with 20 people Mm -hmm. that don't know and have fun. I'm like, there's a lot to what I think fun is. Yeah. And it's different. It's not extroversion. It's a skill. Exactly. It's a skill because I have like family as well when they go let's do a video and then they show me and they go like you're an actor you're good at talking and I'm like yeah but this is real life and I'm being me and not being a character like yeah do you know what I mean I have to be a character because that's what I do I can't not I can't be me because then I'm like (laughs) (laughs) we have this thing as well Tony and I whenever whenever we hear like a door close or like a random noise or you know the shower if someone's shouted in the last hour it has a little bit of dribble or something we hear it and we look at each other and we go go see you know what i had a a zoom like um chat with the girls on monday so like we had this big nice like catch up and one of the girls cameras was doing something like freaking weird like it was like <laughs> and freezing <laughs> I'm literally like poltergeist that was my first that was my first reaction and then like, her voice changed I was like ah, everything that does something weird is a poltergeist and I haven't quite named it yet but it's poltergeist and it was just her camera it was no one else's and it was just her camera and I was like girl you need to get some garlic and you need to sage that place because there's something in your laptop, okay? The virus has gotten to the laptop. Is that what a computer virus is? Did we just solve it all? Every computer virus is a poltergeist. It's a ghost, a tech ghost, which is a... So this is for the conspiracy podcast. So this... Hey, hang on. <laughs> Recording.
conspiracy podcast. Your computer virus is actually a different species of ghost that infiltrates technology, not human beings. And shares your passwords with other hackers. That's who hacked my Netflix. I had to I had to call Netflix the other day because someone had hacked into my Netflix and locked me out of it. And I was like, someone from Bangkok, Thailand did it. And I was like, you know, those Thai people are really into ghosts and they believe in ghosts. So I think it was a Thai ghost that was... They are really, they are really superstitious and stuff, uh, aren't they? So I had to change that really quick. Oh, my God. We just solved a conspiracy, a crime, because um, multiple guys, crimes. Everyone listening, um, you need to hire us to solve your mysteries because we will. Exactly. We're so good at that. I, well, I've been into paranormal stuff ever since I was a little kid because I used to see things when I was a little girl. I have always wanted to talk to someone who actually legit saw things because I missed out. I missed out on that gene. So talk to me. What is, what is this? Okay. So when I watch things like this, I go like, where to begin? So I'll start with my mom's family were really, really strict religious Hindus. And the Hindu religion has like a thousand different gods and they all operate through people. So they possess people. Yeah. So that's my mom's my mom family and I actually lived with my auntie and my grandmother since I was a little girl because my parents they were they were a little poor and it was hard for them as well to raise me so my auntie was paying for my schooling and stuff so I was living in that house but I grew up as a Christian so I guess there was a little bit of a clash of, and I was a really crazy weird little Christian girl like I was <laughs> Because I'm super anxious, even as an adult, obviously, this is just my thing. Ever since I was a kid, I would say the Lord's prayers as soon as I woke up. I would say it like at the end of school. I would say it when I got home. Yeah, I was so paranoid that something was going to befall me. <laughs> okay. That I started becoming really sensitive to stuff when I was probably about six. And there's these different prayers and traditions that Hindus do. Like um, they do this one prayer that it's called Kavadi. It's like a festival where people sacrifice their bodies to the gods and the gods like possess them for a bit and they do crazy things. Anyway, during that time you go to the temple and stuff. So I used to go with my auntie and then as soon as we come home, it was almost like, something would come home wow so all i don't know if you've ever seen like pictures of there were certain instances as a kid that i remember really vividly but some things i don't because it's almost like they were too terrifying i block them out but you know have you ever seen like the pictures of the hindu gods like there's yeah like there's one in particular um and it was every hindu home has either like posters of the gods because they've got a little prey area with like a little lamp and stuff i was i used to sleep in my auntie's bed and i'm really weird like i always face the door when i sleep i've always been like that ever since a kid 
And so I used to sleep on the side that was facing the door and all her posters was on the back of the door and the, the posters used to move at night. Like the gods with all the hands and there was a, um, a blue god with a snake. I don't even know what they are because like that wasn't my religion. But they would move and they, I don't know what this was, but I still, like, because I'm asthmatic, I'm very sensitive to temperature changes. Like, how are you saying temperature changes? Um, also, humidity is the other thing. Like, if there's more moisture in the air, I can feel it or when it's dry. And I can feel when there's pressure in the room. And, like, I would wake up in the middle of the night absolutely terrified with the duvet over my head. And something would almost, like, sit on me. <laughs> yeah, okay. That was one thing that used to happen. That used to happen quite a bit. And the other thing that used to happen, this has been done in horror movies because obviously someone has suffered with this. But I used to, like, it's, I used to sleep, like, under the covers. I still do to this day because I'm, like, scarred from all that. I sleep with the duvet completely over my head, yeah. I I would cover my head and, like, try to sleep. And they would my name like something would say my name that's intense yeah. my parents never believed me because I didn't live with my parents first of all I lived with my auntie but my auntie I wouldn't ever feel like I could tell my auntie that those things were happening because it was her house other random things that happened like we had um, a German Shepherd cross Alsatian dog you know one they're really like sensitive and like you know overprotected as well and this one time um, I was sitting in like, there's a little TV room that has a little, like a lazy, you know, those lazy boy chairs, those single like lounge chairs. Yeah. But some of them rock. I know. My grandmother's rocks. Of course. And of course <laughs> I was in the TV room watching TV with all the lights off. The chair just started rocking. And, and the dog. Those need weight to move, yeah? Yep. And the dog, he just stood up and all his hair was yeah, all the hair on the back of his head and neck and he just came and stood in front of me and just started barking like nonstop. Yeah. That's amazing. I'm very sensitive to energy and atmospheric changes. But what that also extends to is an awareness of self and subtle changes in environment and I've noticed that as a young kid like I'd walk into a house and all of a sudden like I'd feel like I'm walking into butter if it's like full of tension like I will mm-hmm. like like a place before I meet a person and that's how mm-hmm. I chose my uni like I had to I went to all unis and there were some unis that made me mm-hmm. mm, like my guts were like mm, okay. and then I walked into like Monash and I was like <sighs> like I felt some sort of like freedom so that's how I Things, that's how I choose houses and the house that I grew I lived in through my teenage years we moved when I was 10 from yeah. the house I was born in to this other house who was owned by some family friends stories I remember walking into this house like when I was like 10 and I was like I've been here before I've been here as a mm-hmm. guest when they lived here and there was always something a little bit it wasn't bad but it was just weird like, it didn't feel like my house. I just attributed that to it's a new house. And I noticed it was only when my mum started or my parents started leaving me at home mm-hmm. alone 
where I would notice there are certain parts of the house that I would be more comfortable sitting in by myself and certain parts where I wouldn't. Mm -hmm. And there was this um, Renault, like they, they added a, like a rumpus room to the living room and you could tell it was very different. And they had these wooden sliding slatted doors that just kind of fold and then you could close them. Every time I was home mm. alone, those had to close. I had to close them because there was something about keeping them open and seeing the darkness in there that I was comfortable about. So I was like, all right. Having said that, I've never seen anything except for this one time where I was with my mum and we were in the rumpus room, both watching a movie facing the TV. The front door is like, behind us is the living room. Then there's a wall with a mirror and the front door is to the left of the mirror. So you have to walk through, like past the mirror and then into the hallway towards the back of the house. At the exact same moment, me and my mum just went, mm -hmm. exact same moment. And I looked at her and she looked at me and she's like, did you see that? And I said, the black thing? We both saw like this black mist go past the mirror from the front door into the hallway. Uh, this is just to give you a bit of context to what I was thinking about because before then, this family that owns the house, she had two sons who I knew. I met them personally because we we're family friends. And the eldest one, I was sleeping in his old room, which was at the end of the house. And oh my God. I never felt alone in the house, even when I was physically alone. It wasn't, it wasn't a foreboding feeling. It was just, you know how sometimes I'm the type of person that if I'm home alone, I need to put the TV on because I need that sound from the TV makes me feel like I'm not the only one there. And I've just grown up that way as well. But even with the TV off, I felt like someone was there, but I felt more comfortable when it was on. So I was like, all right, I'm just going to keep the TV on. And every now and again, like, it was almost like my body and my brain were disconnected. So when I would walk down the corridor, my body would stop, but my brain would, I'm going to go to the toilet, but my body would stop. I had just these moments where my body was so mm -hmm. uncomfortable and I just kept, like, I never saw anything, but I felt changes in energy in different parts. And I was like, this is, this is getting weird. Yeah. So I was lying in bed one night and I just woke up. Nothing woke me up. I just woke up and I just felt uncomfortable. Like, you know, when a creepy person is like staring at you from across the street and you're just like, Ugh, and you just feel weird. Like nothing negative but it's just odd and I could feel I don't know what whatever grayish color makes you feel it's just mm. and so I just for some reason to the room I just went I know you're here and I'm in your room it's okay you can just hang out because I know it's your room as long as you don't interfere with my life you can just come into your room if you like just you know be cool Ever since that day, that feeling's gone. My room lit up. It was insane. It became a room, like the living room, where I was comfortable going. But the rumpus room always stayed kind of like a bit more tense. It was weird. So I had never had an issue going into my room again. And it was kind of like, I don't know if that was just me letting go of something or if it was, you know, 
I have just said, look, it's okay to be in here, mate. If this is your room, great. But that's actually a thing when spirits or an, a, an entity of some sort is inhabiting a space. A human will always, because it takes your energy. So even when you are sleeping, you're, you're, not, you're not actually, yeah, that's like full on. That whole, that reminded me of another instance actually. There was this one time, but I was a bit older. I think I was about nine or something. And I was feeling extremely tired because I've just come from school. And I changed into like my home clothes because we're Asian. We have home clothes and outing clothes. And I fell asleep on my auntie's bed. And I just woke up. Nothing woke me up. I just woke up and opened my eyes but couldn't move my arms or my legs or my torso. I could only move my head and my neck. And the only person that was at home was my grandmother. And so I just started crying and I just started yelling for her. And I was literally lying flat on my back, but I couldn't move anything at all. And she, she came to me and she's like, are you okay? And I said, I can't move my legs I come with my arms and she's like it's almost like <laughs> I don't even know what to say it was like she was like okay she walks off <laughs> yeah. she walks off and she comes back until this day I have no idea what this was or what she even did she has these like red pieces of fabric that she used to tie sometimes around her lamps and stuff when she used to pray. She comes back with four pieces of that red thing and four coins. She tied one to my leg, the coin in the, in the red thing, both my ankles and my wrists. And she just told me to lie there for five minutes. She walked away. I was like so scared and I was like sweating and, I was like, I thought I was like paralyzed or something. I had no idea what was going on. And then I just did what she said. I just lay there for five minutes. And then could I it be that she up. knew that there was something going on in the house and that she had just come to terms with it? And she's like, yep, there is an entity or something in this house. I know how to manage it. We have never spoken about that ever. I have never spoken to my grandmother about this because. I had, yeah, I didn't know how to even address it as a child. I don't know how to do it as an adult because I never really thought about it until you said you wake up without being awake. And immediately I just thought of that time. But like, what was it? <laughs> it was like normal. It's like she knew what to do. But they always say that kids are the most sensitive, kids and animals. But there's a lot of weird stuff in my family. Like, there's um because africa just has a lot of voodoo and like black magic and stuff when i was growing up my one of my cousins i think she was about two or three at the time there's this spirit in africa or in south africa specifically it's called the tokolosh and what it does is it possesses a young child and the child takes on the characteristics of that spirit it's really really creepy because 
we joke about it all the time. We used to joke about it at school. And then I just remember my auntie had like her youngest kid and then she turned like two or three. She started doing this bizarre things. Like a couple of times we saw them. She would go into the corner of a room and just crouch down like on her haunches and just stare at people. And then she stopped talking. She just started talking and then she stopped talking and then something started to go missing in the house and then she got really sick and she was like not speaking, not eating. She was sick. She would only sit in the corners of rooms. It was really bizarre. Turns out the in-house like domestic worker that they had, the maid, she was really jealous that like all her daughters were really pretty and had planted an old like, one of her dead family members' teeth in the front yard of their house. So I only learned about this probably when I was a teenager, but in Africa, the black magic spreads through like um, if people find your hair or like a nail or something of you, they can put a spell or something on that item and they just need to put it into the ground of the place that you're inhabiting, like wherever you live. Um, a lot of the time in South Africa, if something weird is happening in the house, they will actually look under plants that people have just planted or in the front yard to dig up stuff. And they actually dug up this plant that the maid just put in the front yard and it had Holy moly! Teeth. That's a movie! And then as soon as that was found and burned, um, Alison was normal again. a right there. It's crazy. Like Where you at? Shit. I've got a screenplay proposition for you. That's, that's crazy because I've, I've heard about, you know, in my travels with my interest in paranormal and supernatural, um, like voodoo stuff because it's, it's bloody scary, um, some mm. of the stuff that they do. And I was wondering, like, you know, um Lance and I were watching there's this documentary on Netflix I can't remember what it's called something about this this British guy who goes to South Africa and actually does a documentary on the climate there the living conditions the gangs and he goes right into it and he meets like these two girls that go to a market that is all voodoo and Mm -hmm. he goes through and they show him like the stuff that they sell there for voodoo spells and potions and like they even question like they question the fact some of these like bones like maybe human that they're selling on the side of the street they are they're either human or they belong to animals like domestic animals um, so the other thing that happens sometimes is that a dog or a cat will be stolen from a really wealthy family or very like affluent or even if um, our, one of our dogs was stolen as well. If a maid, we call them maids, like we boys call them that. Um, if they see that all your daughters, like all my granddaughters mm. were really pretty and fair and they would take something from them that could be used in a potion to create that. So my um, my 
auntie's first dog was stolen in the front yard to use. And that stuff, yeah, that stuff is real, witch doctors. So I am, I was born in KwaZulu-Natal, which a lot of the witch doctors actually, like, that's where they're based. And that's just, people actually go to witch doctors still till today for, for things. It's, it's normal. It's just an interesting practice. Like, it's very similar, or I guess in the Thai culture, they have like certain beliefs in that, you know, if you take something from someone living in a certain condition or it will kind of, you will inherit all of their prosperity. And it's a lot of, you know, mm-hmm. the stories that just actual, if we go back to true crime, like there are crimes I know of that happen in Melbourne where someone believed that they will become the person that they've just murdered. And that's why they murdered them out of jealousy and like they want to be this person and somehow have this idea that they will inherit this person's identity and looks and become them. All from all from those notions of the yeah, it's it's insane that it's insane that these things are happening in different parts of the world. Also, you know, we travel to a lot of remote places for coffee. So we actually do come across certain things like we went El Salvador with one of our producers there and she gave me this stone, this crystal, and she, as soon as I arrived and told me to put it in my bag and just keep it with me. (laughs) And I was like, it's about that big. Tiny stone. I still have it. Something you actually need a Mm -mm. bag for. Yeah, like I still, I still actually have it. She gave it to me and told me to put it in my bag. And whenever we travel, if I was going to go without my bag, I had to have it in my pocket. And it was supposed to actually protect me because apparently I am, I have a look that people want, so they would want to take something of me, take something from me. Yeah, and that stone was supposed to keep people away. She only told me that yeah, when I was, I was leaving, but she was like. Yeah, she was like, keep the stone with you, so, like, I'll tell you wow. later. <laughs> and I was oh, like, that's weird. That's so freaky. But turns out the stone is like an ancient, it's like an artifact or something, and it's supposed to have this, like, power. Anyway, it's crazy. Like, we, we come across stuff like this all the time, especially in these, in, like, Central America and Africa. Like, the, those yeah. are the two biggest... Because they, they still practice all of that stuff too. They, it's just, they do, yeah. Wow. Because remember, they a lot of them don't even yeah. go to doctors. Like they don't go to medical doctors. They go to these yeah. people to heal them when they're sick or give them some sort of remedy. You've just inspired me to do a little bit more research into because voodoo for for me i don't think i ever understood it and i was the only you know in the western world Mm. the only kind of insight into voodoo you get from film and tv is like voodoo dolls like that whole concept of you know making the little doll and then you know stabbing it with a pin and then that happens in real life so Mm -hmm. but when i watched the actually this uh documentary i just it just added like so many other layers to the belief system that kind of intrigued me because I was like, oh, dolls, yeah, whatever. But then there's this whole universe, this whole underground 
like I would I don't know I was because of all those stuff happening as a child I got really intrigued by like this is like during X-Files like I think X-Files started around that time maybe I was like a nine ten and then I started watching that and I almost started thinking like oh my god those things happen because I believed that that was based on a true story. I feel like that's just waiting to happen. We've got, if we get more time in this isolation, I'm pretty sure I'll end up writing the episode. Oh, look, you can write it because I'm not a writer. I'll just give you the info. So. We hope you had a little bit of a giggle at our conversations and found our stories as intriguing as we did. Maybe. We are the only ones who've gone a bit loony in quarantine, but if you've gone a little bit loony yourself, please leave us a comment or send us a DM at braintobar.podcast. We'd love to hear what type of content you enjoy listening to. If you do like the Outtakes episode, we will definitely upload a few more with our other guests, but we will recommence our normal podcast proceedings next week with our next guest and Stay tuned because we will be chatting with Selena again. But for now, stay safe and stay healthy.